Turn with me, please, to John's Gospel, chapter 5 again, for a basis of our message. This is part 2 of Search the Scriptures, John chapter 5. John chapter 5, please. We'll just, we'll just lift two verses, verse 39 and verse 40. Lord Jesus is the speaker. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the den hour that we came to you through your Son. And as we came to him by the drawing and the quickening, the regeneration of your Spirit who drew us, we thank you this morning, Lord, many of us, if not all of us, are found seated and clothed and in our right minds, saved for time and eternity, washed in the blood, forgiven of our sins, new creatures in Christ Jesus, and old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new to us. We thank you for this day. We thank you for health and strength, for the ability to be able to come here, Lord, to worship you set our mind and our eyes upon you, to open our hearts to you and to your word. We just thank you, Lord, that you have afforded us another day of life for the living to praise you today. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your goodness and your mercy and your compassion and kindness, your long-suffering with us. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and all that you are. And so we pray this morning again, Lord, that you would open the scriptures to us and speak to our hearts and into our lives. Bless the, all those little ones away down there, and Lord, to learn in their children's church and in the nurseries, Lord, and all the, the helpers and the leaders and the teachers who look after them, Father. We ask for your hand to be with them. Thank you for each and every parent and every person that's come along here today for their faithfulness to come to a tent and a field and a country road, and yet, Lord, to fill this tent, Lord, you. You're the one who moves and blesses and encourages and draws and leads and guides. And we thank you and we praise you for that, Lord. For in your presence, Lord, there is fullness of joy and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And we thank you, Lord, that we have your hand of blessing, your hand of power, your hand of authority, and we have your hand of provision and sovereignty. But, Lord, we seek thy face then this morning to search the scriptures, to find Christ in all of them. And so, Father, help us to look and to see, open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive, and use us, Lord, for your glory. We love you because you first loved us. We think of Vera and the family with Derek, and, Lord, we ask you to draw close to them and near to them at this time. Lord, as they bury a loved one today, and, Lord, with a sister so gravely ill, Draw near to them and let them know your nearness and presence. Father, we, we thank you, Lord, also of, of Gary's father being unwell for such a long time and the family not knowing what to do. And, Father, even the doctors don't know what to do, but we thank you, you do. Bless Gary and his family and his mom there in Lamavati. And, Lord, we ask you to put your hand upon his dad. There's so many that we could bring to you and lift up to you. And we just ask you, Father, that you would... Come alongside of us now and speak to our hearts. Lead us out, Lord, in the scripture. We 
We ask it for Jesus' name's sake. Amen. Amen. As we looked at the Lord Jesus last week, saying, Search the Scriptures for them. You think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And as we looked at this, and we looked at the word search last week, I think it's important that we look at it again this morning. The word search for search the Scriptures is the word erinau, and it means to inquire, to seek, and to investigate diligently. To inquire, to seek, and to investigate diligently. And as we looked last week, we give you an example we won't look at again today in Genesis 31, where Laban goes after Jacob and his daughters, and Rachel is on her camel, and she's stolen her daddy's gods, i.e. the the idols that he has, the small g, gods which are not gods, but nevertheless, she has taken them away from him and, and hidden them, and he comes and he searches, it says, the tents, gives that example of what Jesus is talking about here in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of the Old Testament. In fact, many believe that it was written before the Hebrew Masoretic text, which is in the actual um, Old Testament. And we looked at how he, he went into Leah's tent and he went into Rachel's tent and he searched diligently everywhere pulling, as it were, everything apart, under everything, and went to search her camel, and she says, look, Dad, you know, I have women's problems here, as it were. Don't ask me to get up. And that stemmed him from looking any further. And that idea is what the Lord Jesus is saying. He says, you search the Scriptures. You're looking so hard at them, and you're reading them, but you're getting nothing out of them, he says to the Jews. He's saying, you're searching the scriptures. You've added onto them the traditions of men. You've added onto them your own thoughts. In fact, you've placed the traditions of men above the very scripture itself. And you search them so diligently, but you still can't see me right in front of you. And again, it's a picture of many in our land today. Well, they know the scripture. They could cross the T and dot the I, knew every jot and tittle of the, of the Old Testament even, but they can't find the Savior. They just can't see him. That's why it takes the Spirit to regenerate our hearts, that we might behold the Lord Jesus Christ. So we looked at that last week, and we looked at how the word scriptures, we also give you an explanation of the scripture, and it's the word graphe. Where we get our word graphic from when something is really graphic in front of you. Or graphite comes from it where we would use it to write with. And it was also gives the idea when Moses and then there that wrote the Ten Commandments or and then God pardon me, broke the Ten Commandments and God wrote them with his finger. The actual uh, the imprint of those commandments in stone. You couldn't wash them away, you couldn't rub them out. They're there, it's fixed. And it's fixed till this day for our nation to be uh, adhering to, for people even to be judged on, to see their sin that might bring us to Christ. And the Lord Jesus uses this word, do you search these and they are indelible. That which is said about me, he's saying, right from Genesis, Genesis 3 and 15, when the seed of the woman would come, the Lord Jesus, the seed of his mother Mary, of course. 
And there he says, the seed of the woman would come forth and would crush the serpent's head or, uh, and the serpent would, as it were, bite his heel. And of course, Jesus done that at Calvary when he crushed the serpent's head. So right through those Old Testament scriptures, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The whole way through it, he's there. He's in type. He's in foreshadowing the whole way across the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying to them, you're searching for Messiah. You're searching for the Redeemer. And I'm standing right before you, and you can't even understand it nor recognize it. Maybe someone this morning, and you're religious. You could nearly tell me from Genesis to Revelation, the whole uh, the whole books of the Bible. Maybe you've searched it, you've turned it over, and you go, I know all about this, and I know all about that, and I was brought up in that way, even many of many were. I wasn't, but maybe, maybe many, many of you were. And you could say all of that, but you can't see the Christ. You've never actually had your eyes open to behold, or you can read of him on a cross, but it means nothing, and the page is flat, it's ink on paper, Rather than seeing him and what he's accomplished on Calvary, what he's done for us. And it's not living. It's not real. It's not alive to you. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to a man and a woman, he makes it living. He makes it real. And he makes it alive. And that's what it takes. And maybe today you will see Jesus rather than just another Sunday morning around this book, that you'll actually see, grasp hold, and get the reality of Christ in your life. And hence he's saying to them, you search the scriptures, and as indelible as the Ten Commandments were on stone, and as indelible as the Ten Commandments still stand today, and God has not removed them, as indelible and as long-standing as an eternal day that they are. Speaking of the character, the Ten Commandments speaks of the character of God. And when you do away with Ten Commandments, you're actually doing away with that standard of character of God. And Jesus is saying it still stands. And as as indelible and as eternal, it's forever settled in heaven. As much as that is, he says, so is the prophets about me. So is the word of God, the Old Testament scriptures about me. You know, I'm sure you've maybe sometime you've been driving about and you see maybe a bumper sticker and it says, wise men seek Jesus and they still do. Speaking of the, the Magi who came to visit the Lord Jesus. So we want to turn this, that was last week, but we want to turn around now and look at this in in a different light this morning of searching the scriptures. This, of course, is part two. In Matthew chapter two, verses four to seven, you don't need to turn to it because we're going to just glean from this for a second and you can write it down and read it when you go home. But you know, it, it, it quotes Malachi, or pardon me, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. If you want to turn to it, you can turn to that. 
But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall come forth unto me that is born ruler in Israel. Notice whose goings forth hath been from of old, from everlasting. From of old, from everlasting. So this prophetic scripture, this prophetic utterance on scripture, papyrus or whatever it was on then, it, it, it tells us that there will be someone who was in eternity from of old, from everlasting. And as eternal as God is, so is his word. And he is the word of the Father being made flesh. John tells us that. And what he says here is, he takes it from Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. And of course, to these, to Herod and, 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 and his his men who come around and they look, the wise men, his wise men, I should say, who come around and look at the scripture, they find it in the old covenant when Jesus was born. And so the Magi are in front of Herod and he has his chief priests and he has his scribes there and they look at Micah 5 and 2. I think we all know that. That's quite common to be read out at sort of Christmas time and all of those things. But here's something that I want you to see this morning. So, he not only finds that there's a scripture here about one that would be born in Bethlehem, Ephrathah. I want you to stay with me. It, he sees truth. And either Herod recognizes truth, being that this child has been born in the Lord Jesus Christ from his mother Mary, so either this one has been born and he doesn't see it or this one has been born and he does see it and he wants to extinguish truth. And that's the heart of many. See the scripture and they see it's about Jesus and here he is born and then they want to extinguish it the rest of the year. They see the scripture in the Old Testament. They see, for example, in Matthew 2 in the New Testament, Herod and the, the, his priests and his scribes are looking at this old covenant. And remember, it's indelibly set about Christ. Just like the writing on the Ten Commandments and the standing of the Ten Commandments, whether those tables were broken or had to stay together. And here we find Herod sees truth and he decides to slay all the children under two years of age. So Jesus wasn't just a little baby born last night in this case. He could have been up to 18 months old at this point. And the thing about it is, is many of us see Many people see the truth, they, they get a glimpse of it, and they realize that if, since this is true, since this is forever settled in heaven about him, since he has come and fulfilled this, then I'm not right with God, and I must get right with him. But they can't just see it, and they try to get rid of it. They try to extinguish truth. They try to kill the Christ. 
Would you turn with me to John 7, please? John chapter 7. And take note of this. this I read this uh, just over this morning, and it just blessed my heart again. John chapter 7. And if you will, let your eye run down to verse 32. The Pharisees heard that that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while am I with you, and then I go unto him that sent me. Ye shall seek me and not find me, and where I am, thither or there, ye cannot come. So these men have come to arrest Jesus. They see him in the flesh. They cannot recognize him for who he is. And Jesus says, I'm going to be going away. And you can't come with me. And you can't come. Think about this. You know, we all sort of think, well, God will put up with everybody and anything. Accept everyone just as they are, even in their sin, because he's a big daddy-loving God. But Jesus said to these people, see where I'm going, you can't come. You won't be with me. There was a man also I knew, and given his testimony, he was an alcoholic, and he lost his wife and children. She upsticked and moved to her mum and dad's house in Lurgan. And he comes home one night, and eventually she had done what she had said she would do because he was treating her so bad. So he gets on a train, and he comes to Lurgan, to the house. And the daddy comes out, and a row ensues, and next thing, the police come, and he's through into Lurgan station, barracks there, the police station. And he says he's, he's laying there, he says, and he remembers a window up high, a small window in the wee cell where he was, and it was broken. It's night time. And he's seen the stars. He says a voice said to him in the cell, if I can make this, I can fix you. And he starts thinking, God, if you really made that, You can do anything with me in the cell. The morning came, they let him out. And when he's getting out, he says to the police around him in the station, can you tell me something? Does any of you know God? Do any of you know God? And the police thought, yeah, time to go, boy. Out you go. And he says he keeps walking down toward the, the station, the train station, and he's walking into the middle of the road at the traffic lights and rapping the window. Do you know God? Do you know God? Rapping the next one. Do you know God? People thinking this madman's running around the town here. He gets on the train and the conductor comes down and he says, excuse me, do you know God? Nobody could help him. He gets off the train and he heads up into Mount Vernon Estate on the shore road. 
And he goes to a Christian's house and the, the, the lady of the house came in and her husband, a godly man, wasn't in. He was away to work, I think it was at the time, but he wasn't there. He says, you go up and I'll get somebody. You go to your house and I'll get somebody to come up as soon as possible. Cut the long story short, he was asking people, do you know God? And he couldn't really settle in his mind. And he ran around he says, I know. I'll go to St. Catherine's Church of Ireland around the corner and ask the minister if he's there. And he runs around and out and over to a place called Dunlambert, the St. Catherine's. And the gates are locked and the doors are closed. And he climbs over the fence. And he goes up, he says, there's two big handles. And he grabs them and he goes, to try and open the door, he says, and they jammed. It just wouldn't open. It was closed. And at that moment, his words were this. It's one thing for you to say, I don't want God, because there's always something in you that, well, if he's there, he'll let me into heaven anyway. But there's another thing when you think God doesn't want you. He felt God didn't want him. And he was horrified that he would be lost and damned forever. It was raining. He fell on his knees. And there were some kids walking down the hill past. And they stopped and looked over the fence and says, Mister. And he looked at them. Are you all right, Mister? And he ran and jumped over the fence and back into the Mount Vernon estate. He had got home. And by the time he got home, a man came from this lady that he was with. He says, come with me got him into the car, and he drove him up to meet Pastor McConnell. And he gets into the room, and Pastor McConnell says, how can I help you? And he goes, do you know God? Do you know God? He says he was frantic, thinking God didn't want him. Panicking, he says, that, that sense was worse than anything, because everybody thinks, well, God's just going to accept me whenever. But when you thought God said no. Do you know God? Do you know God? Do you know God? He says, and I fell on my knees and started to cry and beg. Pastor McConnell says, there was a man who went to lift him. He went, leave him alone. He says, God's doing a work on him. And he says, do you know God? Help me. And he says, I, and Pastor McConnell said, yes, I know him. I don't think that he wants me. He says, oh, he wants you. That's why you're here. He wants you because that's why you came. And he led the man to Christ and the man's still going on in God all these years later. He's a pastor at the moment. He's been a pastor for years. Can I ask you a question, Christian? Do you know God? You may say, I'm a Christian, I know God. No, do you know him? Some people think they know him. Do you know him? Some people have an air of him, a thought of him. No, do you know him? Do you know his voice? Do you know his leading? Do you know him? Here's another question for you, Christian. Someone came and rapped your door or someone came to you and asked you, do you know God? Can you help me? Could you lead them to Christ?
Would you be able to say, yes, I know him. And relieve that person who has come to you of their stresses of sin and say, I can bring you to the Savior. Pray with them. Lead them to Christ. See, Jesus said here, see where I'm going, you can't come. That would horrify me. That would, he said to these Jews, you can't come. You're not going. In fact, in another place, he tells them that you're going to die in your sin. And for someone here today, and you're not saved, and you die in your sin, whether he is, you cannot come. Doesn't matter what religion you grew up in. Doesn't matter what color your skin is, what nationality you are. If you don't know him as your savior, you can't come. Let me read more of John 7. Verse 35. Then said the Jews among themselves, Whither will he go that we shall not find him? Will he go to the dispersed among the Gentiles? This was Israel who had been dispersed among the nations. And teach the Gentiles. What manner of saying is this that he said, Ye shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither ye cannot come. Who does this man think he is to say such things? See, they can't see past a flesh and bone body. They can't see past the written ink. They can't see in the spirit who he is. Can't see it. And then it goes into the Feast of Tabernacles. Verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the spirit, which he that which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. And many of the people, therefore, when they heard the saying, said, of a truth. Notice, they're starting to see truth, but they still can't see it in its fullness. He's a prophet. He is a prophet, brothers and sisters and friends. But he's more than a prophet. He's eternally God. They're stopping at a prophet. And here's the thing. John tells us, if there's anyone who doesn't believe that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that he's an antichrist. And those who are not seeing have a spirit of Antichrist about them. That's strong, isn't it? That's strong. You can sense that, can't you? Think about this. Islam says a prophet is Antichrist. The Jews say that he's a a bastard son of Mary. Talmudic, they say he's burning in hell at the minute of his own excrement. Talk about Antichrist. 
what they say. The non-subscribing Presbyterians say he was a man, a word of God, not the word of the Father. Not eternal to his divinity and his deity. He's a man filled, as it were, of God, Antichrist. See, brothers and sisters, it matters. It matters. We search the scriptures and we can see about him, hear about him, but we must know him. We must know him. But you know, to know him is to love him. To know him is to love him. And when you get a real sense, a real knowledge, a a real experience, and pardon the the expression, but a Christ encounter with him, when you come to that knowledge of him, and your heart changes, your mind changes, your will changes, your will is swallowed up by his will. Your thoughts are not his thoughts, but rather his thoughts are greater than your thoughts and mine. And and our hearts drive and desire and passions are to do his will, are to walk in his ways, or to love him more. Let's just read a bit more here. Verse 41, please. Others said, this is the Christ. Ah, we're getting somewhere now. He's Messiah. In other words, he's come from heaven. He's God. But some said, shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hey, how earthly can you be? This man is the Christ, the Messiah, the one sent from heaven. But will he come out of Galilee? Did he not grow up there? Hath not the scripture said that Christ cometh from the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? Notice so there was division among the people because of him. Because of him. And if you think that it's difficult because, you know, because of your stance in work and people hate you because you're a Christian or people are against you because you know the Lord and his word and, and you would witness to them and you, you're hitting it and you're, you're waning in your faith. Listen, the thing about it is even the Jews started to fight among themselves because some said, this one is the Messiah. And the others were going, he can't sure he grew up in Galilee. And by the way, it says Messiah is going to come out of David from Bethlehem. See, they hate the Christ in you. The knowledge of you with him. Verse 44, And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. Then came the chief officers, came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and said unto them, Why have you not brought him? Listen to this. The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. You see, the Pharisees and, and, and the, if you want, the leaders of the rabbis 
what they done was they took one rabbi's teaching and put their own twist on the rabbi's teaching. And that rabbi took another one and another rabbi, and they kept going like this. And they were just rinse and repeat. It's rinse and repeat. They were speaking about somebody to come. Christ stepped into the middle of it. They're saying, he's meant to come. He says he's going to come here and we're searching the scriptures. Jesus steps in and says, I am come. I am come. No man spake like this man. He spoke with revelation. He spoke with authority. He spoke the power of God. Then answered them the Pharisees, are you deceived? Notice, is this man going to deceive you? That's what the devil says, isn't it? These old Pharisees, these old devils. You know what he says? They say, are you deceived about Jesus? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? But this people knoweth not the law are cursed. Now notice, Nicodemus saith unto him, He that came to Jesus by night, being one of them. That's Nicodemus in John chapter 3, who came by night, and Jesus said, You must be born again to him. Nicodemus says, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him, and know what he doeth? They answered and said unto him, Art thou also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee ariseth no prophet. He came from Galilee. And every man went to his own house. Now listen, brothers and sisters, I want to show you for a few moments here God's perfect timing. God's sovereign will happening in the earth. For out of Galilee ariseth no prophet, they said. See, Mary had conceived the virgin girl of the Holy Ghost. And near the end of her gestation period, carrying the baby in her womb, in God's timing, a census for taxation was called by Caesar Augustus. Now, if that was the day, it was just they, they, they just called a taxation. That's that government and all. We, we, we think that too. And, and maybe out of the badness of their heart, they do it. God allows it, but it's in the sovereign plan and will of God. Caesar Augustus, he calls for this taxation. Listen to Matthew 2 and verse 4. And Joseph also went up, notice, from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So Jesus did come out of Bethlehem, born in Bethlehem. Yes, his mother came from Galilee, but he was born in Bethlehem. All in the plan, the timing, and the will, and the sovereignty of God. God had it all planned out. God wasn't saying, well, you know, he's in Galilee. I don't know why he's going to be in Galilee or Bethlehem. God said he's coming out of Bethlehem from the house and lineage of David. And it happened. Here's some quick points as we close this to look at. First of all, point one. It was God's perfect timing, but it was Mary's particular problem. 
It was God's perfect timing, but it was Mary's particular problem. You see, we could have said, surely that wouldn't be God. Or Mary could have said, or Joseph could could have said, surely that wouldn't be God's plan for me, Joseph. So heavily expecting to go the whole way from Galilee to Bethlehem. And she wasn't going in an ambulance. And she wasn't going in a taxi car with a nice soft seat. And she wasn't placed into Joseph's car and it was nice and comfortable. She was sitting on the back of an old donkey. Think about this. Dusty, rough and rugged road. And yet that was God's will. That's God's plan and purpose. That was God's timing. So first of all, it was God's perfect timing. But it was Mary's particular problem. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, you might think, is this really God's will, all that we're going through? You need to leave it to his timing. The difficulty of it, the hardship of it, the hurt in it. Wait till God comes through. We can't see it all the time, but wait till he comes through. Secondly, moving quickly. God's will isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. God's will isn't always easy, but it's always worth it. They were about to experience a shift in life more arduous than maybe others. And maybe you've had a shift, as it were, in life. Such a change has come and hit you so quickly and unexpectedly. And a shift in life has happened. And there's those who seem to be doing great and walking on ahead in faith and you're struggling because of this shift. See, brothers and sisters, here's what we must do as brothers and sisters in the Lord. It would be easy to run ahead and leave others behind you in their struggles. But go to a brother and go to a sister. They might not see your plan or your vision that God's given you. They might not have the same call in life that God has placed in your heart. They might not see the picture that you're seeing. But if you're bringing them with you, then walk with them. Stand beside them. Encourage them along. Put your arm, as it were, around them and say, I'm here to help. Until they get their strength built up. Joseph walked with Mary. And it was in God's will. Turn with me briefly to Daniel Daniel chapter 10, please. Daniel 10, if you will. Just a couple of verses. Let your eye run down to verse 7. He writes, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision for men that were with me. Notice, saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me. For my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet I, yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, 
Then was I in a deep sleep on my face and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. Here's what I'm, the point I'm making in this. Daniel says here in verse 7, he's seen this vision known as the glorious man. Way over there where Iraq, Iran would be today, by the river Kivar. Way in the middle of nowhere and God shows him a vision. And there were other people with him. There was a great quake fell on them all. And they run away to hide themselves. But it says, I alone saw the vision. The men felt the quake. The men felt the shaking of it. There was something about it. And they hid. But Daniel caught the vision. They were the ones who needed brought along. If God was going to use them. They weren't in the place where Daniel was, but yet it was Daniel who came under as the spearhead of this ministry. He came under the pressure. He came under the stress of it. He had the, the troubles of it, the worry of it. He came where he fell on his face because of the glory of it and the anointing of the Spirit. Don't envy someone who you think is doing better than you. Don't do envy someone you think can pray better than you. It's not about better praying, by the way. It's about the heart. It's about you and God. And God places you where you're meant to be, calls you in what you're meant to do, and uses you for what he wants you to do. Now, wouldn't it be great? Uh, I'll just pick a couple of ministries because they're more difficult ones. Wouldn't it be great? All of us are called to preach the gospel, but... Maybe not all of us can do that. Maybe not all of us could stand on the street, preach the gospel and take the flack. I don't know if I'd have the temperament for it and that's telling you the truth. Not all of us are, are adamant and as ardent as standing at abortion centers. And should all of us be there? Possibly so. But not everybody caught your vision and your vision and your vision. Not everybody can be up here because they haven't had that vision and that calling. But that doesn't mean we leave others behind. We see those who are maybe not seen it. We hear the shaking. We understand the making of it. But we haven't seen the vision of it. And Daniel says, I seen it and I heard it. But they just felt a trembling of it. When someone doesn't catch what you have caught as in ministry, don't blame them. They just don't get it. Because maybe they've caught something in ministry and had a vision that you don't get. Don't leave them behind. Maybe an artist's journey, but be prepared to walk beside each other. Thirdly and quickly, as time's flowing. Third and quickly, Caesar Augustus called for the decree to tax the people, but it was God who called his steps. Proverbs 16 and 9 says, A man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. And you know, in our walk with the Lord, as I say, we're in different places with each other and with the Lord. Even in 
preaching the word, I try. I was talking to someone not so long ago about this. I try and break it down to be as simple with the word that those who aren't long saved can catch it, can understand it and feed them. And then I'm trying to preach the word who those who are deeper theologically can catch something and, and, and get something from it. Then I'm, I, I, I try and bring something along the way where those who are fervently evangelical in their outreach, I try and bring something along the way to them. And someone who likes to do something, I try and bring it. And that's the problem when you have a plethora of faces looking at you. And our hearts may devise what we are going to do. But when we have seen Christ in the scripture, but we have come to know him, then the Lord directs our steps. Listen, brothers and sisters, we are awake in CET, not woke, because we have been caught by the Spirit in it, according to the scripture. We are awake, not woke. We are aware of all that's going on, but we're not alarmed because God is still in control. So we go by the word. We aren't governed by the word. And it's our faith, not fear. God set up Caesar by set Caesar up and Caesar's depraved heart called for the taxation but it was God that was using Caesar according to his will what for? Call, he'll call the taxation I've already said way years before this in Micah 5 and 2 that the one who's in Galilee this young virgin girl who's now conceived of the Holy Spirit her husband to be is going to be called out and he's going to come down to Bethlehem and it's there that Christ will be born. Can you see it? It's all in his plan. Here's the last one. Fourthly, when you can't trace his hand, trust his providence. When you cannot trace his hand, trust his providence. A Puritan called John Favell once said, Some providences are like Hebrew letters. They must be read backwards. Hebrews read from right to left, not left to right, you see. And so he says, Some of them, the promises of God, must be read backwards. And meaning this, you didn't realize it until it's already happened. And then you look back, and there he was all the time. <laughs> There was his promise all the time. There was the fulfillment all the time. And we find Christ in all the scriptures. Search the scriptures, he says. Then he's let the children know they can come up, please. So, I'm going to have to stop there because I have too much material. Far too much. See today when you get a chance. Go home and as it were, read the promises of God backwards. 
Look at what he said he's done in your life and see it come to pass. Look at where you've been in your life and see where he was there all the time. Look and see where you've been looking for him and you thought you couldn't find it, yet he was in plain sight before you all, right all that whole time. The whole time he was there. When I was writing this, I thought about it. I'll tell you what it done for me. It caused me to sing. Yes, I sing in my own house, on my own sometimes. <laughs> Yesterday, just Alice and myself, the girls were working. And yesterday, I got my guitar out and I threw it around my neck and I stood and I sang like a scalded cat the whole afternoon. <laughs> Thank God for the scripture and make a joyful noise. Don't know if it was joyful or what, but it was definitely a noise. But my heart was just bursting, singing on to him when I'm playing, singing everything out of key as I usually do. Playing every key that wasn't even usually there. I find keys aren't even on the... I was going to say the piano, but I don't play the piano. And the guitar. And I was praying and thanking him. Lord, you were there all the time. He was there all the time. Waiting patiently in line. Team, would you come up, please? 